Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you to share another author interview and, of course, to talk about some of this week's new releases. The interview that you'll be hearing today is one that I did with author Taylor Hahn, and we talk about her novel, The Lifestyle. Um, this is kind of a, a steamy, sexy novel set in the New York swinger scene, so definitely stay tuned for that if you are interested in this type of book. We'll get started with the usual housekeeping information, then we will move into the interview, and then I'll be back to talk about this week's new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am talking with author Taylor Hahn about her novel, The Lifestyle, which is scheduled to release here in the U.S. on June 7th. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can we start with a brief introduction to the lifestyle so that listeners can have a little bit of an idea what they're getting into? Yes, definitely. The lifestyle is about a lawyer in New York named Georgina Wagman, who is very type A personality, thinks she has life totally figured out, perfect husband, perfect job. And then, of course, when things are going perfectly, it's all going to come crashing down. So she catches her husband having an affair with the junior associate. Oh. And she thinks, I'm not going to let this ruin my life. He doesn't get to dictate what happens to me. I'm going to fix this. And they decide that they are going to save their marriage by becoming swingers. So it's very funny. It's about a woman's personal journey with exploring what she really wants, both in the bedroom and outside of it. And it's also an homage to Jane Austen's Emma in that the main character, Georgina, she's very meddlesome, but she ah. has a very good heart. Um, and so she convinces her best friends who are also having problems in their relationships that they should join the party <laughs> and uh, they venture into the New York swingers lifestyle together. 
So Emma is like the only Jane Austen book that I can actually say I enjoy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm always happy to see it, um, you know, kind of represented in modern fiction. I think we have a lot of talk about, you know, pride and prejudice, persuasion, sense and sensibility, uh, but not so much about Emma. So mm-hmm. this, this makes me happy that you kind of uh, create an homage to her here. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about her kind of matchmaking that just drew me in, even when, you know, classic literature is not always something I enjoy. Yeah, I think Emma's a really, really complicated and well done character because normally readers get turned off by someone who thinks they know everything and wants to fix other people's lives. Just like in real life, we get turned off by a person like that. Um, but Jane Austen wrote Emma so beautifully and she's so complicated. And even though she is meddlesome and, you know, she thinks she knows better than everybody else, we love her and want to protect her and want her to be happy. And that's a really hard thing to achieve as a writer. So I really looked to Emma as inspiration on how to create a character like that. Um, in Georgina Wagman. So what was sort of your journey toward getting this, this book published? Oh, it was a long one, but it was fun. You know, I love to write. So it wasn't, it wasn't a drag to me, um, but it was certainly time consuming. So I'm a lawyer as my full-time job and I still work as a lawyer. Um, But I always wanted to write my whole life since middle school, I wanted to be a writer, but I was always really afraid to put myself out there like that and be so vulnerable. And I didn't know if I was good. I mean, I wasn't good. (laughs) I had no, (laughs) you know, I just, I just liked it. Um, But I was also this sort of very practical, responsible person. And so I became a teacher after I graduated from college for two years and then I went to law school. But this entire time, I, I never forgot about my love of writing. And my best friend was a writer. And it was so inspiring to me because I was really jealous. I, I was thinking, oh, man, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and it was amazing to watch her pursuing her dreams like that. And so while I was working as a lawyer, I decided that I would start taking writing classes. And this was about 2016. I started taking classes in New York where I was living at the time at the Center for Fiction and Sackett Street and Catapult. And I just got hooked. So I decided I'm going to go for it. But I was writing this really awful (laughs) 1950s missing girl thriller. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> it's just really not my personality. I mean, you've read the lifestyle, so you know that it's very funny and kind of, you know, light and heartwarming. Yeah, and like very surprising. different from a thriller. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a totally different, a totally different vibe. Very. So I, I had to give up on the thriller idea. Um, and then when I thought of the premise of the lifestyle, I was obsessed. I knew that it was my 
book that I had to write. So I worked on it for about three years on the side, uh, before work, after work, on the weekends, and ultimately started querying and got my agent and sold the book, which was the most amazing thing that ever happened to me. That is so awesome. I love when people are able to pursue, you know, something that they've kind of had on the back burner for such a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I gave it a shot because I felt like I'd be really disappointed in myself if I didn't try hard. But it was really challenging. I mean, I had no social life for a couple of years. I had to just tell my friends, I can't see you. I'll see you in two years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm writing a book right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that you started taking classes um, to help with, with writing and to understand the craft a little bit better. Did you find like working on some of those technical details to be helpful to you or was your writing um, always kind of an intuitive process that didn't so much rely on like technical skill? Yeah, I found it very helpful. I think that writers definitely have a, a desire and a kind of ear. You know, I hear conversations in my head <laughs> yes, a lot. <laughs> and I have that kind of desire to write out these conversations. And that, I think, is a natural aspect that, you know, people who love to write have. But the technical part is really important. And I had no skill at all. Um, I would write a scene in the beginning that I would think, oh, this is pretty good. And then I take it to a class and I would just learn 25 things that needed to be improved. It's very humbling. But I think that new writers really need to approach the craft as a study and really treat it like school because it is there's so much to learn about how to create a, an effective scene and after a while I do think those rules so to speak become so ingrained that it becomes intuitive again but I do think that you need to learn them and practice them extensively and have a kind of attitude like I I can improve by practicing this. So were there aspects of writing the lifestyle that you found particularly challenging, either from a technical or from a more intuitive angle? Yes, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that... Yes. One, one thing is the lifestyle has an ensemble cast. There are, there are really six characters and um, I wanted every character to have their own arc. So that was difficult to balance and, and keep track of. What I ended up doing was I wrote the book and I did several drafts of the book by the time I got to this point, but then I would take a turn where I focused on each character and I would only read the scenes that that character was in. So one of 
one of Georgina's best friends is Felix. And he has this arc. I don't want to give it away, but he, he basically doesn't know himself that well. And so he dates people and he molds his personality to them and he kind ah, of yes. defines himself. So I would take a Felix pass where I would only read the scenes that he's in and I would write down how he, he moves forward in each one. And then by the end, I was able to see his arc and I did that for each character. Um, and then the swinging scenes. I mean, those were also difficult. <laughs> I wanted to strike the right balance between making them really sexy and also really surprising and fun. So I worked in a lot of details that I think the readers will find surprising. I mean, they don't just go to parties and just have sex. They go to parties and they also have naked dance parties and they go in indoor hot tubs and they role play and there are a lot of quirky details. So was it something like that you were able to to research in terms of like what that culture is like? Like were you able to speak to people um, who actually participate in this lifestyle or like how did you how did you get some of those details? I did a lot of research. Um, mostly I read, I read. So online, I have Googled every iteration that you can imagine of what's it like to go to a sex club, rules for swingers, hosting a swingers party. And I've, I read everything I could get my hands on. And I watched a lot of, of interviews too. There have been a couple of reality series. One of them oh, yes. was called Neighbors with Benefits. <laughs> it was on, um, I want to say AMC, but that might not be right. <laughs> American Movie Channel. Isn't that what that sounds for? I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, I don't think that would. <laughs> um, so I found that people were very, very open about their experience, which they're doing it as a kindness to other people that are interested in joining the lifestyle. A lot of couples in the lifestyle will write tips and suggestions for other people who are interested on, you know, community websites for this community. So message boards and websites that have a lot of resources and people will share a lot of recommendations and they're mostly about how important it is to communicate openly with your mm -hmm. partner and talk about your boundaries and what you expect and what you will not be comfortable with. Um, and a lot of people have written about their experience going to a sex club for the first time. And I actually read a lot of information that was written by marriage counselors. Because oh, there are wow. some counselors that specialize in this, helping couples navigate this, this, you know, culture. Um, and that was incredibly helpful because that helped me look at it from an entirely new perspective, which is w why people join. And there are tons of reasons why, but I had never thought about it before I wrote this book. I think there's so much that we can learn you know, from the internet. Like it is an invaluable tool, I think in, in so many ways. I mean, it, it has its downsides like everything does, 
But I think there's just so much information that, you know, the average person wouldn't have access to if we couldn't do online research. Mm-hmm. And I had to weed out, you know, the information that was not useful. Like sometimes oh, yes. I come across a story, quote unquote, that was clearly not real, written just by some horny old guy about the fantasy <laughs> that he was having involving 10 women. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's probably not like the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> the best research you could find. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it was really, really interesting. And I, and people were so open about their experience. It was, it was really valuable. I think back, you know, to like when I was in college, there was all this talk about, you know, how you research online and and knowing, you know, what a credible source is and that just because it's written online, you know, doesn't make it true. And I think all of those things are are valuable guidelines. But I also think about just as time has passed, you know, since I was in college in like the early 2000s. Like how much internet research has changed and has changed the landscape of what information we can access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very much so. So when you actually kind of knew, you know, what you were going to, what you were going to do with the novel, did you have it kind of all outlined for yourself or did things come up as you were writing that kind of surprised you and changed the overall trajectory of the story? Um, Both. (laughs) I did create an outline in the beginning, but the final product doesn't stick to it at all. And I think it was helpful that I did create the outline, even though it, it didn't end up being accurate to the story because it helped me envision a novel Otherwise, I had the premise in my head and I could think through, you know, up to the point of the main characters joining the lifestyle and going to a party for the first time. But I couldn't really see past that until I outlined and came up with a bunch of ideas for what could happen. And I just wrote down one sentence for each chapter. But okay. it's very funny for me to think about what was in that outline now. I think that one, that the main character, Georgina, became a lawyer for a sex club, and she was, like, litigating the real estate rights to it or something. It's Whoa. really <laughs> funny for me to think about now. She basically became, like, a legal crusader. <laughs> um, that is not what happens in the book. <laughs> I think that once you get to know your characters really, really well, then the characters dictate what happens. And so then I had to be willing to let go of the outline because it didn't make sense anymore. And was that hard for you to kind of turn, like turn over that control kind of like from that outline to what the characters were were telling you would happen? It feels a lot more natural to go with what the characters are telling you. So in that way, no, it, it feels better. It feels like, okay, this is good. This makes sense. This is what's right. The painful part of it is cutting 
tons of pages that I spent so much time on. Um, but that that's a pain that every writer has to learn how to suffer. <laughs> I have to tell you, whenever people say that and people are like, oh, you know, so I wrote all these things. And then by the time I was done, I had to cut you know, 200 pages. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder what was in those pages. Would I like it? <laughs> Like, I wonder if well, I could now find you know. it. It was yeah. Georgina as a legal crusader. Yes. <laughs> but I do always wonder, you know, like what what iterations a story goes through kind of before before the finished product is is out there. It just always yeah. intrigued me when people talk about, you know, their their writing process. Yeah, I still think about that because there are really a lot of ways that a book could go. And as a writer, you're in complete control. You have the ultimate say on what happens. So yes, I let my characters dictate where the story went, but it's almost like a choose your own ending. You know, I can imagine different endings as well. Uh, so I guess I could rewrite the book from square one and <laughs> imagine a completely different world. Maybe that's how sequels come to be. Ooh, <laughs> there's this, there's a, an older um, Jude Devereaux novel called The Summer House, where people actually get the chance to kind of like redo certain aspects of, of their past. And I kind of wonder if when people are writing, you know, if you ever think like, oh, you know, what if a character took you know, this path instead of like the one that I wrote down. And I, I've often wondered, you know, what if someone did that, like just rewrote something. Um, now, granted, that would be like a super time intensive thing to do. And so that's probably why no one does. But it it does intrigue me just kind of, you know, what what could a book be? How different would it be if like, you know, one little choice was different, like at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also a reflection of where the writer is in their life at the time that they wrote the book. I've heard Zadie Smith talk about this, that she reread her first novel, which she wrote oh. in her early 20s, which is just amazing. And she said something like, I could never write that book today. Like, I just don't know who that person was anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think since the lifestyle is so much about marriage and the complexities of relationships, I've thought before, you know, if I tried to write this book in 20 years when my, my life is completely different, would it come out as a different product? And I think the answer is probably yes. I, I would think so because I think our experiences, no matter how much, you know, research we do and how much development we give character, I think our our experience is still kind of the lens that we start to to see through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about you as a reader. What kind of things do you read for, you know, for pleasure, um, like what, what are the types of books that really make you happy? Yes. Well, I read novels more than I read nonfiction or short story collections. I really read exclusively novels. Um, 
I would be hard pressed to read something that does not have a love story in it. I'm a big sucker for a love story. So mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be straight romance, but I, I'm just very compelled by a, a love story, even if that's the B story instead of the A story. But I would say 70% of what I'm reading right now are rom-coms. I mean, there's, I'm currently listening to book lovers. I'm a big audio person, which we can talk about too. Yes, we, just, we should definitely do that. Yeah. Audio books are amazing. Agree. Agree. So I'm listening to book lovers right now. And yesterday was a Monday and it was extremely hard for me to work because I could not stop listening. And I kept having to click the 15 seconds back button because I was trying <laughs> to work and listen at the same time. <laughs> One of my presenters, um, Stacy, really, really has loved book lovers. And there are 10 or 11 of us um, that come together to put, you know, Book Bistro together each week. And she has been talking about it since the beginning of May when it came out. So it is definitely one that is on my list of, of things to read very, very soon. Yeah, I highly, highly recommend um before that I went through all of Abby Jimenez <laughs> I started the first one and I was so hooked oh. I listened to all of them I actually didn't realize that I was supposed to listen to them in a particular order so I what? started with um life's too short but it's okay that's I, the I one <laughs> that's the one I think that I would start with um like that's the synopsis that appeals to me the most from her mm-hmm. stuff um, so starting there, like, were you able to follow it pretty well? Like, did things make sense or did you have to go back and actually start from the beginning of that series? It still made sense. It was, it was then fun to discover that they were connected. So the second ah. one that I listened to was, um, was the one with Sloan. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Oh, happily ever, happy ever after playlist. And, um, then I was introduced to Adrian and I thought, Oh, this is so fun. I didn't realize that these novels were connected. So it was great. So let's talk about audiobooks for a bit. Yeah. Um, will the lifestyle be available in audio? Yes. And I, I haven't listened to Yay. it yet, but Christine Lakin is recorded it and she's so good. She's so good and I'm so excited. It's going to be such a, such an incredibly surreal experience to listen to it for the first time. The first book I ever listened to that she narrated was a Mira Grant, uh, like post-apocalyptic zombie novel. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Yes. Um, was her like, parasitology series I think the first book was called Parasite and she just did such a good job of bringing it to life and I love how versatile she is you know she can do something that's you know kind of horror um, but she can also do like mysteries and, and women's fiction like just so so many things she does so well yeah yeah she's amazing and I also just love that she was on Step by Step because that was my favorite show when I was growing up Okay, do you remember I am that one? Like a terrible person, and I do not. I, I did not know that she was on there. I never yeah, watched she, that. 
That's the one with the intro song, step by step, day by day by day. (laughs) I did not know that she was on there. Yeah, she was one of the kids. Al, I think, was her character's name. Wow. She always wore a backwards hat. I am just not like a a TV person. So (laughs) these are these are all the things that I don't know. So were you able to kind of choose her as the narrator or did did the publisher choose her? Like how did that come about for you? The publisher narrows down the pool to a few people and then okay. from the few people I get to I get to choose my preference. Awesome. Mhm. Did you ever have like a dream narrator like where you were like, "Oh, you know, if I could have like anyone" narrate my book like it would be you know this person um no not really I I I cared a lot because I listened to so much audio and so for me it was important um but I was very happy with the nominations that I received and super super psyched when I learned that Christine was available but I you know, they're, she's going to do such a good job. I'm so excited. Will it be simultaneously released with the, um, the print and the ebook or will it come out a little later? It'll come out on the same day. Ooh, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is the absolute best. I hate when I'll look at like the release dates and they'll say, you know, like print and ebook will be one day and then like the audio is a couple weeks later. I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I need that audio. <laughs> yes. It's just so nice to be able to listen to something while I'm doing housework or putting on my makeup or oh, yeah. you know, doing whatever. I wouldn't be able to get through as many books as I get through without audio. That's what I always tell people when people, you know, go back to that like very old, very tired audio books aren't reading. Yeah. I'm always like, yeah, well, people quote unquote read a lot more books with audio because you can listen to an audio book and do, you know, any number of, of other things. Exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't, I mean, laying down in bed with a book oh, is yeah. glorious, yes. but I have about 10 minutes a day to do that. <laughs> so I read one book a month or one book a, every six months. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with me and to let listeners know a little bit about you as a writer and a reader. Um, can you let us know the best place to find you online? Yes. Um, Instagram is the best place. And my my screen name <laughs> This this shows that I grew up in the 90s. Um, ah, yes. My handle <laughs> is Taylor Shay Hahn, S-H-E-A. And I'm on Twitter with the same handle, but I really, I'm horrible at Twitter. So Instagram is the place to find me. And then TaylorHahn.com is my website. So did you grow up with like the AOL screen names that everybody Oh, had? yes. Uh-huh. And mine was, it's Mrs. Potter to you. <laughs> I was obsessed with Harry Potter. 
at as so many people were. And yeah. some still are. Yeah. Like it amazes me how much we see, like, you know, it's been such a long time since the last Harry Potter book came out, like the actual, you know, seventh in the series. And I'll still say, like, see people posting, did you know that like such and such <laughs> thing is true? I'm like, mm, I think so. Like, <laughs> I, think I, I think I discovered that, you know, when I read like whatever book it was in. Um, yeah. But it is just such an en- enduring fandom that exists for that world. Yeah, it really, really is. I look forward to rereading the whole thing with my kids someday. I've heard that's a really magical experience for parents. My friend Sarah actually read Harry Potter um, for the first time with her oldest son oh. when he was in, like, they did it, like, their fourth grade, her, his fourth grade year. And um, she talked about, you know, really enjoying that and looking forward to doing it with with her younger son as well. Yeah, that would be amazing. Well, again, this has been a discussion with author Taylor Hahn about her novel, The Lifestyle, which will be releasing in the U.S. on June 7th. And Taylor, again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. All right, so new books. As always, I'm going to start with some books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated books of July episode. So I'm starting with a couple books that Natalia is looking forward to. No One is Alone. This is a young adult novel by Rachel Vincent. We then have a romance, which is The Comeback by Lily Chu. This one, though, won't come out until Thursday the 13th, as opposed to the usual uh, 12th. Then I am looking forward to Sister Mother Warrior historical fiction by Vanessa Riley. This one will be zooming into my library very, very soon now. And then I have also a book that is coming out on the 14th, which is Bitter Discord, Jackie Leon, book eight, by the fabulous K.N. Bannett. This is urban fantasy. Um, And that comes out, as I said, on Thursday. So those are some books that you've heard us mention before. So let's talk about books that you haven't heard us mention. So I'm starting out with some sci-fi and fantasy First up is Weaver's Web by Yasmin Galinor, and this is Moonshadow Bay, book six. It is out this week, and I am so excited. This one is, um, so again, we're back in Moonshadow Bay with January Jackson. We do have some darker themes here in some of her investigations. So if you're looking for something that is just kind of that nice, easy read that the rest of the series has been, you'll still get echoes of that but do be aware that there are some darker themes here not in a way that I think you know needs like trigger warnings or anything like that but there are some things that happen here that might um, catch you off guard if you're just looking for kind of a a nice um, paranormal women's fiction which is what this is but it does go a little bit deeper than some of the previous books. So that is Weaver's Web, Moonshadow Bay, book six by Yasmin Galinorn. 
We also have Eclipse the Moon. This is Hunt the Stars, book two by Jesse Mihalik. It is this kind of space opera um, that she is known for with Polaris Rising, which was her first uh, book. But this one is the sequel to last year's Hunt the Star. Or no, I think it's actually earlier this year, Hunt the Stars came out. Either at the very end of 2021 or the beginning of 2022. But um, it is young adult sci-fi with some romance thrown in, I think. That is Eclipse the Moon, Hunt the Stars, book two by Jesse Mihalik. Still hanging in here with sci-fi, we have A Prayer for the Crown Shy. This is Monk and Robot, book two by Becky Chambers. Mika and Amber both really, really like this author. Um, A Long Way to a Strange Angry Planet is one of the books that they talk about a lot as they, you know, as things they really enjoy by her. Um, these are novella length sci-fi. And I've heard a lot of good things just about the first book in this series. Um, but this one is A Prayer for the Crown Shy, Monk and Robot, book two by Becky Chambers. Moving into some historical fiction, we have... The Italian Ballerina by Christy Cambrin. This is um, a World War II novel, and it is about an unlikely group of people who band together in Rome to save lives. Christy Cambrin is most often known as a um, as an inspirational author. But I really enjoy her, even though books that are considered like Christian fiction are not usually things that I enjoy. Um, I do love her writing. She does not get overly preachy in her books. Um, The Ringmaster's Wife is one of my favorite books. She also wrote a World War II book last year about a dressmaker. The name of it is eluding me at the moment, but it is, uh, this one is The Italian Ballerina, and again, that's by Christy Cambrin. Um, I want to move in now to some romance. We have Be With Me. This is A Dare Family, book four, by Samantha Young, and Natalia is a very big Samantha Young fan here, um, I think Stacy has read a few of her books as well and has liked them. Um, but The Adair Family is one that I've not heard a ton about as far as, um, you know, people reading it and loving it. But I do think it's worth highlighting here since there are some Samantha Young fans on my team. This is Be With Me, A Dare Family, book four by Samantha Young. We also have... The One Who Loves You, it's Tickled Pink, book one, by Pippa Grant. And Sarah and Stacy both enjoy Pippa Grant. I think they first uh, became familiar with her work with her book in the Blue Water Billionaire series. That is a series of books written by Claire Kingsley, Catherine Nolan, Lucy Score, and Pippa Grant. And I know that after that, they've also read a bunch of her standalones as well. 
Um, I remember hearing them talk about Master Baker. But this one is the one who loves you, and it is set in Wisconsin, apparently. So if you're looking for something set in the Midwest, this might work for you. This is The One Who Loves You, Tickled Pink, book one by Pippa Grant. We then have The Romance Recipe. This is by Ruby Barrett. And it is a female-female love story. One of the characters is a chef. Um, I wish that this had been out when we did our food episode because I really like foodie romances. And I think there have been some really great LBGTQ books um, featuring chefs lately. And it looks like this one is going to be another one. I'm thinking um, there was also Chef's Kiss by T.J. Alexander. Um, I don't know. There are just a bunch of them right now that are coming out and um, just making me very, very happy. This one is on hold for me at the local library, and it is The Romance Recipe by Ruby Barrett. We then have No Funny Business. This is by Amanda Axel. Uh, she was on the podcast last year for her debut, which is Delia Suits Up. But this one is a contemporary romance about two comedians, both of whom are kind of down on their luck. And they embark on a road trip, hoping to kind of improve their circumstances. And I guess they also find love along the way. So this one is No Funny Business by Amanda Axel. And if you're looking for some historical romance, we have Remember Love. This is the first book in the Ravenswood series by Mary Ballow. So Mary Ballow has been writing historicals for a long time. And one of the things that I like best about her is you don't get a lot of unnecessary angst and drama. So the characters are very relatable, very real. But the focus is firmly like on the relationship. You don't have a lot of like external forces fighting to keep the characters apart. The conflicts um, feel very personal. And I just really enjoy that. I feel like it's um, something we saw a lot like in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s. And I still appreciate it here in her work because we don't see it as much now. This is Remember Love. It's Ravenswood, book one by Mary Ballow. And we have a debut. This is A Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunting. This is by Sophie Irwin. It has gotten like a ton of really positive buzz. I am super excited for it. Um, you know, we see a lot about like men being fortune hunters and going after women with a lot of money, you know, trying to like secure their titles. Um, so I think it's very cool to see a woman kind of taking that role in this book. So this is A Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunting by Sophie Irwin. I also want to highlight a debut here. This is Pounding Bass. It is by Kenna Campbell. And this is a story about a woman who was in an abusive relationship, and now she's trying to figure out, like, what does she want for her life? Is she going to stay in this abusive relationship, or is she going to be able to find her way out of it? And apparently there is this influence in her life that might be able to help her. 
Um, Kenna Campbell is a pseudonym for a couple of women, one of whom I am Facebook friends with. Um, I met her doing a book challenge a couple of years ago. So I am super excited that her first book is coming out. This is Pounding Bass by Kenna Campbell, and it is coming out on July 13th as opposed to July 12th. Okay, so I want to move in now to some mysteries. This is All the Dirty Secrets by Aggie Bloom Thompson. And when I start to tell you about this, you will know exactly why I highlighted it here. It's set in D.C. in the private school scene, and it asks questions about like secrets and what secrets will you reveal and how far will you go to protect the status of your family. This is All the Dirty Secrets by Aggie Bloom Thompson. We then have Out of Her Depth by Lizzie Barber. And this one, since we're in, in summer currently, I think this is perfect. So there are summers that will change your life. There were also summers, there, there are also summers that will end it. Mm-hmm. This is Out of Her Depth by Lizzie Barber. Rachel Housel Hall has a new book out this week, and this one is We Lie Here. It is a standalone novel about a woman coming to terms with some family secrets that she uncovers. Um, and, you know, looking at like small towns and all the things that people know about us that maybe we don't know about ourselves. Um, Rachel Housel Hall has written a number of books. Um, I think there's a series that she's done, but I've mostly heard about her standalones. So this one is We Lie Here, and it's by Rachel Housel Hall. We then have The It Girl. This is the latest book by Ruth Ware. Um, Ruth Ware writes very twisty suspense. It sometimes can have a little bit of a gothic feel. Um, she wrote one, The Girl in Cabin 10, that a lot of people liked that was set aboard a ship. But this one is about a woman who has a life that everyone seems to want. So if everyone wants her life, why does someone want her dead? Hmm. It's the It Girl, and it's by Ruth Ware. We then have The Disinvited Guest by Carol Goodman. This is about a group of women who are stranded on an island, and there is a history of foul play. Now, what I don't know is if the history of foul play is um, on the island or amongst this group of people. Um, like Carol Goodman writes some very dark, very creepy things. Some of them are a little bit too ghosty for my liking, um, but I don't know if there are ghosts in this particular book. But I just think she does a great job of creating a strong sense of place in her novels. You always get like this feel that the setting of the book is like coming, coming to life here. Um, so if you've never read um, Carol Goodman, I highly, highly recommend her. Brooke likes her a lot. I do. Christine does. Um, and Stacy is a big fan of a book that, of a series that Goodman wrote 
um, under a pseudonym, and that is the Fairwick Trilogy by Juliet Dark. But this one is The Disinvited Guest, and it is by Carol Goodman. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope that everyone is doing well, staying safe, and finding lots of great books to keep you company this summer. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.